everybody, this is Mike Van Meter. Welcome to the Mike Van Meter Show. And this is your one-stop shop for everything having to do with conservatism, liberty, the American way, and frankly, just the right way to you are, how you ought to live your life. That's the way I look at it. And I haven't done a podcast in a while, but wanted to throw this out because i got a lot going on in the world. And I'll tell you, it's coming fast and furious. And wow, what a week this has been. And we have a lot of topics to cover, and I'm going to be covering a lot of topics as we move along. I'm finishing up another graduate program. That's what slowed me down on the podcast, but I plan on picking that up. And as many of you know, I have thrown my hat in the race for the Virginia 33rd District Senate seat. That's a state Senate seat here in Northern Virginia, and that's going to be occupying a lot of my time, and I'll be talking to you about that as well as interviewing a lot of the other candidates that are going to be in that election and the midterm elections which are coming up. And um, this week has demonstrated how important those elections are going to be. And I wanted to bring on my longtime friend, Frank Runnels, who has his own podcast called Lies People Tell. And uh, Frank's joining us by phone, and we're just going to give sort of a short synopsis of uh, what happened and what we believe is really going on. And with that, Frank, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike, how are you? Doing good, doing good. This is my wedding anniversary weekend and so i'm going to be heading out the door here shortly and but i right. i just i had to get something laid down because there's just too much going on and as many of you know and frank i'm just going to start off with this i saw a retired deputy assistant director last night on television giving his opinions about what's going on and he's very very fired up and he's very upset as you and i are about what's going on and one of the things that he said is, or I should say, a call to action was for former and current FBI agents to come forward and speak out about what is going on. Because I think the public, the general public, thinks that all FBI agents are on board with the misuse of power. I can tell you they're not. There's a lot, there are many people that are not. And I would put myself and you in that category. Would you, would you agree with that, Frank? Absolutely. Absolutely. There is a very, very small minority, just like in America, a small but vocal minority that want to poo-poo everything that's going on and make it seem like, oh, no, the Bureau can't do any wrong. How dare you question it? I'm talking about within the Bureau or retired ranks. That's a very small, small minority because most, the vast majority of FBI employees agent and non-agent look at what's going on and say this is overstepped by 10 points and it's really hurting us to be able to do our job that we do have actually an important job in america and we're killing ourselves by doing stupid things no one wants to believe us and then we do something stupid like this and say well geez why doesn't anyone believe us duh I mean, you're, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point. Well, meanwhile, there's a laundry list of cases and issues that are not being addressed. You know, a lot of people don't realize this. Uh, let, let Frank and I educate you. There's only about 13,000 armed agents in the, in the Bureau. 13,000. Sounds like a lot. It's really not. There's police departments in this country that have uh, almost as many police officers in just one city. And this is, you know, worldwide. Now... When we look at the gymnastics abuse case, uh, 
Doctor, I believe his name was Nassif. Is that his name, Frank? Nasser. Nasser. Doctor Nasser. Dr. Nasser. Uh, that was completely mishandled. The uh, Whitmer case up in, in Michigan completely mishandled. We have people coming across the border, and I want to be very clear with you if you're listening to me. There are people on the terrorist watch list that are coming across this border and um, secreting themselves across the United States, and the FBI has absolutely no idea where. Uh, where they are. Uh, we have the Russiagate collusion um, debacle. Uh, that was mishandled. We had the uh, a couple of shootings in Florida, school, school shooting in Florida, and then we had the nightclub shooting in Florida. Uh, you know, the FBI was tipped off. Nothing was done about it, and these ended up in disasters. And I could go on and on and on with uh, cases that have been mishandled. But yet, here we are doing a search warrant on a former president of the United States. And I'm going to break down why that is unprecedented and why that's that's a real danger. But uh, if you're listening to me right now, I'm telling you that the FBI is just off base, misguided, and they are not protecting the American people. They, they are absolutely not protecting the American people. And something needs to be done about this. And I, and by the way, I have felt for a long time, even when I was in the FBI, I felt like it needed to be reorganized and reprioritized. Um, do you feel the same way, Frank? Absolutely. The worst thing that happened to this organization was, well, but we've had a bunch of bad things happen, but the, the number one worst thing that happened was the appointment of Robert Mueller as our director because after 9-11, he changed the focus of our organization from a law enforcement agency to an intelligence agency. And we have been going downhill ever since. Every, almost every stinking thing that's blown up in our face in the last decade can be led back to counterintelligence. Not criminal, counterintelligence. Why is that? Well, on the criminal side, we have to prove our case before a judge and a jury. So we have to make sure our evidence is sound and provable because we have to be held accountable for it. On the intel side, the uh, counterintelligence side, they never have to go to court because they never prosecute anyone. They never have to prove anything they allege. They can say whatever they want and then hide behind, when they're called out, the cloak of, well, it's a national security matter. We really can't tell you, but trust us, we're telling you the truth. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. And that, to me, was the beginning of the end of us. And if we want to restructure and organize, as I said on my podcast, that would be the first thing I'd do. I would immediately cleave away our counterintelligence and counterterrorism section. Make them as their own separate agency. Give them law enforcement powers if you want. I don't care. And just leave the FBI to work in criminal matters because that's really our forte and what we need to be concentrated on. Yeah, we do because – we have the the borders are just being overrun with God knows what coming across the border, and meanwhile we have the weaponization of the the FBI, and you know whether you like it or not, and I'll just I'll just kind of frame it this way, and then turn it back over to you, Frank. The, I, there are many many agents, current agents, and former agents that feel the way that Frank and I do, and then there are a few, a tiny minority that don't. But here's the problem that the FBI has. 
the public perception is that the organization is corrupt. And that, that alone, that just by itself is a problem. And the general consensus is, in fact, I, I really haven't met anybody that doesn't think that the FBI's reputation hasn't been tainted. It's going to take a long time for the public trust to come back. And perception's everything. And if I was coming in to the White House, or if I was advising somebody coming into the White House, I would highly recommend that you bring people into your fold. So if you're out there listening to this podcast, and you plan on running for president of the United States, or if it's President Trump, or anyone else, DeSantis, anyone, who, because we don't know who the Republican nominee is going to be, uh, and it's going to be a Republican that's going to get the White House the next time around. I have no doubt about it. And all you members of Congress that are coming up here in November... You need to bring people into your fold that understand the organization. I think that one of the biggest mistakes that Donald Trump made was he got rid of Comey, which was great. I, I That was a really good move. Problem is, he didn't go about seven layers deeper than that. And I think it's because he and many of the people around him did not understand the culture and the makeup and the structure of the FBI. You need to have people around you that understand the organization. For example, Frank and I could walk into the Hoover building right now and go office to office and tell you who needs to go. I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah, and here's the thing. The organization, talking about the culture of the organization, you know and I know that the, a large predominant part of the culture of the FBI is to never admit mistakes. Never admit you've done something wrong or we've mishandled something. Right. We are so loath to do that. Why is that important? Because if you can't admit your mistakes – You'll never learn from them. Right. And you can't continue to make the same stupid mistakes over and over again because, A, you haven't admitted it. B, you haven't critically looked at what you did wrong. And C, took uh, steps to rectify the problem. So consequently, we have this thing like in Mar-a-Lago where it has turned into a total clown show because they've never learned from the Russian hoax. They haven't learned from the phony FISAs that they did, that they lied to the FISA court on. They haven't learned anything because they can't admit they've done anything wrong. Right. It's partly cultural and partly self-preservation because if they admit, yeah, falsified uh, a document uh, that went in front of a court, you could be prosecuted. They don't want to admit that. But the bigger thing is we just don't like admitting we screwed up. Right, and that's, and that's happened. And for those of you that say that we're just being extremists here, let me point out to you that the FBI did this multiple times during the Russia collusion case. Falsified documents, falsified information that went into FISA. That's a fact. That's not my opinion. That's not Frank's opinion. Destroyed evidence. Destroyed, Destroyed evidence. evidence. It's a fact. Okay, it's an, that's not my opinion. That is a fact. And now, now you couple that with not just the director of the FBI and the upper echelon of the FBI, but uh, this is what amazes me about the Biden administration. You have a man who ran against President Trump during the last election, so they were political opponents. Now Biden's in office, and the presumptive nominee is for the Republican Party is going to be Donald Trump. I mean, he's no doubt he's, he's going to run again. I, I think that's pretty clear at this point. 
And so the people that don't understand world history and why we have the government that we have and the structure that we have, um, we're trying to we <clears throat> we've always always tried to prevent the the things like this from happening. So you have somebody who's in office, and Biden has said repeatedly, whether it's a good idea or not, he has said he is going to run again. Well, he's likely going to run against Trump. So you have a guy in office using the entire weight and strength of the federal government to investigate and go after and possibly prosecute a guy that's running against him in the next election. Now, why people can't see that as being problematic, I don't know. So for those of you that say, well, what if, what if Trump committed a crime? Well, then what should he do? Well, I will tell you this, that he should have recused himself. Uh, Merrick Garland, who has uh, been no fan of, of Trump, and this federal judge that signed the warrant has been no fan of Trump, and that's that's well established. All of these people should have recused themselves, maybe even gone after a special counsel or, or obtained a special counsel if that's what they wanted to do. But that ha- go after Trump themselves with the history that they have for disliking the man just you know, again, it's perception. It does not look good at all. Right. That's and my take on need it. To remember, when, when it comes to Merrick Garland, there's one man and one man uh, is responsible for him not being on the Supreme Court. And it's not Mitch McConnell as much as Donald Trump. Because if Donald Trump had not a won, Hillary Clinton would have appointed Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court. Mitch McConnell just held up the nomination until after the election was resolved. And the fact that Trump won meant he will never be on the Supreme Court. You think maybe he has an axe to grind? Yeah. Yeah. But yet this is the man that gave the approval. Now, uh, you know, in the legal world, whenever you have a conflict of interest like that, your duty is to recuse yourself. Uh, You know, after all, Trump's attorney general... (laughs) recused himself over nothing in the Russia collusion case. Immediately. Immediately. When he technically then, didn't and, even have to. And then, and then appointed his Democrat, Barack Obama appointed deputy to, lead, to be the lead on that investigation. Huh. Almost like, sounds like uh, the fix was in. I don't know. Right. Right. And all of the stories justifying this search warrant are they're all being debunked. You know, we heard that there were nuclear codes and, yeah, you know, it's a, I, I actually just read an article a little while ago about uh, that the, there was um, an article that was written about one of the people that actually was the person that handled the nuclear codes under the Clinton administration. And he said that that's just it's ridiculous. Nobody's going down there to get the nuclear codes back because they're changed um, and they're they're certainly changed when a president changes. And so a man who actually worked in it was a military aide to the president carrying the football said, no, <laughs> even if Trump has but, the codes, they're no good anymore. There's no point. And 18 but, months later, really, 18 months later, you've got to go get the codes, really. But Mike, but Mike, it was never about the codes per se. Right. It was about the perception and to be able to say this is a national security issue, which means then we can get a FISA. You know as well as I, getting a FISA is pretty much uh, a given mm-hmm. the way they do it. You, they rubber stamp 98 or 99% of the FISA go to, they rubber stamp them mm-hmm. to this day. And it's funny how 
suddenly it goes from being an archive issue to a national security issue. How convenient if they wanted to have a FISA, and a FISA isn't necessarily listening to their phone calls. It can be an open mic place somewhere. Yeah. Just saying, give somebody, everyone something to think about. They were in there a long time. They didn't want to be watched, and they asked to have the cameras turned off. You know, I've done a lot of search warrants, and I know you have too. I've, I don't recall ever asking people to turn cameras off when we were in there doing searches. I, did you? Well, no, of course not, because, but I'm, I'm not a dirty cop. No, I, that's right. That's what I'm getting at. Is I don't I don't recall ever uh, doing that. No. And oh, by the way, um, th- this idea that they made all the attorneys sit outside while they were doing the search, I've never done that either. I've and, and, right. in fact, the subject uh, the subject of the case when we would do search warrants, as long as they were not disruptive, we we didn't care. But they, I mean, they couldn't participate in the search, and we would keep them off to the side. But um, we would just tell them, "Hey, look, you know, we're." We're doing our business. We're going to be respectful. We're not going to tear things up. You can sit here, but uh, don't interfere with what we're doing. If you interfere with us, then we're going to have another conversation. But I, I never uh, made people sit outside, and I understand it was in the Florida heat, and they couldn't even come into – even areas that weren't being searched, they weren't allowed to stay in. I never did that well, with people. Well, they, they didn't want to initially give the Trump attorney a copy of the search warrant which, which they are required to do. They did not want to give her a copy of it. Mm-hmm. And she had to force their hand. And they finally, after they talked about it, and they said, oh, I guess we can. I think a lot of it, too, is, well, I think you're dealing with counterintelligence agents, which they really don't understand any type of law enforcement procedures. I know that they're supposedly law enforcement officers. But really, they're as far removed from law enforcement activities as you can get and still be considered law enforcement. And I think it just a lot of them just don't know what the hell they're doing. Mm-hmm. They don't understand. It's like, I mean, how many times has a counterintelligence uh, agent done searches? Almost never, because they never take their cases to the level of their searching anything. Criminal guys, we do searches all the time. It's what you do. We know that. There's a certain procedure you have to follow step by step. Unless you want to have all of your evidence suppressed, you better do it and play it straight. You know, so even if they had evidence, a half, I know about a half a dozen good attorneys that could probably get that suppressed with just the procedures they followed in this search. And I think that's important for the listeners to understand too, Frank, that uh, I think a lot of people don't understand that the FBI wears a couple of different hats. And that is on the one side, you have the criminal um, agents, which which these days includes counterterrorism cases, because <clears throat> by and large, counterterrorism cases are criminal cases. And then you have the counterintelligence agents. And what Frank is talking about is the uh, counterintelligence agents really just, they're the spy catchers. You know, the CIA's jurisdiction is overseas, catching spies and doing spy work overseas. Within the continental United States, it's the FBI that does that, not the CIA. And But it's the same type of work. But the goal is not to prove a case. The, the, the 
goal is not to arrest someone. Whereas with a criminal agent, which is what Frank and I were, that is what you're building. You're kind of like a federal cop. You're like a federal detective. And we build cases. You build cases. You build probable cause. Uh, We're routinely writing search warrants. uh, criminal complaints, things like that, and doing arrests. And what that means is we are also challenged quite a bit in court. You know, we tend to be in court a lot, and we have defense attorneys questioning what we did. And that causes you to operate a certain way. Well, these counterintelligence agents are not conditioned that way. Many of them have never been in court. Many of them. Many of them have never made an arrest in their career because it's not what they do. But yet these are the same people going down and doing these searches, and they screw it up. Every time, because when I do a search warrant or when you did a Frank search warrant, I'm always thinking to myself, okay, what I'm doing right now, how can I explain to a defense attorney in front of a judge why I'm doing what I'm doing right now? And that, and that changes how you operate. Absolutely. And it makes, it forces you to cross your T's, dot your I's, and step by step logically. We have a methodology. Searches. I mean, I've done dozens and dozens of searches with local cops on task forces, and they're all shaking. God, why do you guys make this so hard? Well, we do because we don't want to lose our case. We don't want the evidence thrown out. So we are very methodical, slow, and very particular. And this, the way they handled it, honestly, uh, it really leaves a little to be desired. It leaves a lot to be desired. So, Frank, I know we don't have a lot of time here, so we'll just do just kind of a quick hit, first impressions. What's going on here? I think that this has never been about really prosecuting Trump for archival presidential records. I honestly think this was a pretext uh, search warrant, hoping to find something that they can slowly but easily behind the scenes pass off to Letitia James up in New York, the AG up there, or the J6 committee, or something like that. Uh, And I also, I am not going to rule out, I'm not saying they did, but I'm not going to rule out that this could have been a possibility to in place a listening device in the building, in in Mar-a-Lago. If they have a FISA, because this is a national security issue, it'd be very simple to do. And uh, then they'd have an open bug to see if uh, Trump and Melania is talking about, you know, selling the nuclear codes to Korea or whatever, you know. So I'm not beyond that. I'm not saying they did, but I'm not going to exclude that either. But that's what I think this is about is more of a pretext type of move to find dirt, because right now they have nothing on it. They can't touch him, and it's driving them nuts because they know that right now Biden doesn't stand a chance against this guy. Oh, no way in hell. No no way in hell. I, I don't even think that Biden's going to make it through next year. I, I don't. And I, yeah. you know, I'm not saying I want that to happen. I'm, I'm saying you just look at him. He, physically, I just don't see him making it uh, to, to the end of his term. And... He's been but, but he's been I, a dick. Folks, but, can we be honest? He's been a disaster for this country. Biden has been a disaster and his entire administration. I actually cannot, Frank, honestly, and I'm trying to be honest as I can about this and not look through the prism of I dislike him and his administration. I'm telling you, I can't think of one thing that he's done that has been in the United States' best interest. I just, I can't. Yeah. No, 
he's he's done everything you could if you were actively trying to destroy our country. Uh, one other thing I'd like to add, so everybody can think about this also, is when you're listening to all of these so-called pundits and legal experts and retired law enforcement agents and all this stuff, remember this. Most of them have no idea what they're talking about. Right. I was listening to Geraldo Herrera, Jerry Rivers today, being interviewed by Brian Kilmeade. And Geraldo is an attorney, and he loves to spout how he's an attorney. And he's talking about, Kilmeade was saying, that Merrick Garland is going to release the you know, information. Is he going to release the affidavit and all this stuff? And Geraldo says, well, Trump, if Trump wants to release it, why doesn't he release it? And, you know, and he's like, hey, he could release that. He's got the affidavit. Trump doesn't have the affidavit because we don't give the affidavit when we do a search. We leave you the search warrant and the list of things we took with us. Yeah. Nothing else. That's the affidavit sealed. is never given to the to, to the target. Right. It's, it's never it's not, it's not but, unique to Trump. It's never given but, to them. But the point but the point is this. Geraldo is on national TV saying this and he's an attorney. I'm not an attorney and I've never even played one on TV, but I sure as hell know that. Don't believe what you hear from these guys. Most of them have zero idea what they're talking about. Yeah. They have no whatsoever. Yeah, and you know something, Frank, um, while we're on that topic, and we can wrap up on this, uh, I think there's confusion, I w- and I re-listened to Merrick Garland's um, statement yesterday. It's, I, it was only about three minutes. It was it, incredible. First of all, it took him about three days to make a statement, and then he was late, 45 minutes late to making this statement, and then it was about three minutes. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And in there, he said that the government has moved to release the warrant and the the return, and I think it's again important for people that don't do these things for a living to understand what that means. It sounds like that they are moving to get everything released, but uh, you and I were talking earlier about that. What does that mean, so that the listeners understand? Because really, that I think that was just a way to placate the public. Because what the public doesn't understand is they're not going to get a whole lot once that's. It, let's say it is it is opened, it, it is unsealed. Well, they're not going to get a whole lot. Well, what the, what they will unseal if they unseal what he says the warrant and the list of items seized what they will see is it's a two page document maybe a three page document and it will list the the location of where the search is supposed to be the parameters of when the search is supposed to take place and what items they're looking for at that location so that's all it's going to tell you. And then the list of stuff that they, they have to leave an inventory of that. But even if they release that, they can redact portions of that. So you might not see everything they seized because they can claim national security purview over it. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to get that, which will tell you the probable cause to generate the search warrant, the probable cause being the evidence that they have to lead them to believe that there's instrumentalities of a crime uh, taking place at, you know, Mar-a-Lago. Mm-hmm. 
That's right. And by the way, the way that these things are written are very, very general. Uh, when you do a search warrant, I, for example, I might I might put in room A, I took five bucket boxes of documents. Okay, that's that's it. That doesn't tell you what the documents are. That's all you know. And so I think that the public is being led to believe that they're going to get like a detailed description of everything that's been taken. That's not how these things are written. Not even close. Yeah. Bank records, you're not going to list every bank record you seize. If they have a whole box of bank records, you just say uh, a box of bank records. There may be other stuff in there, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you don't know until you go through it. So uh, don't don't be on the edge of your seat thinking that you're going to get a detailed inventory of everything that was taken because you're not. And I, I do believe that Merrick Garland put out this statement just to placate the public knowing. And, and if you don't believe me, go back and listen to his statement. It is very general in what he put out. They're going to release the warrant, and it's as Frank just described, and then um, – uh, he's talking about the inventory, which is very, very gen- general. But I do know this: that this this is uh, this has not happened in history before. And uh, I had a friend of mine say that no, that's not true. That Richard Nixon, uh, there was a search warrant um, conducted on the Oval Office when he was president. Now, let me be very clear about this: um, we're talking about a f- a former president, his personal residence was searched. That has not happened before. And by the way, they went into his bedroom and they went into his wife's closet. That has never happened before. So those of you that are out there saying that this happened during the Nixon administration, it absolutely uh, did not. And oh, by the way, um, back then, it was clear that a crime had been committed. They were they were investigating a crime that he had committed. Well, there's been no crime established here with Donald Trump, which I think is a very interesting way that they, because that's what we do in the criminal world. A crime has been committed, and then we do an investigation to figure out who committed that crime, and then what they used to commit that crime. He's not been charged with a crime, Frank. What no, has he been charged with? Not even, no, uh, this is. There's more at play here than what we can see, and I think we may or may not ever find out everything that's going on. But I fully believe, in my mind. There's more to this. Yeah. This is not just a straight search warrant. Wow. Well, with that, guys, we just wanted to give you a little update. And uh, I appreciate your time, Frank. And once again, tell the yeah, listeners no uh, once once more how they can get hold of you. And and uh, if you're not aware, Frank just released a book. And uh, tell everybody about that. It's, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I uh, My podcast is The Lies People Tell. Uh, you can always... Uh, uh, find me on any of the platforms you use to get your uh, podcasts and my book, best-selling Amazon uh, bestseller, Lies People Tell, an FBI agent's toolkit for catching liars and cheats. It's all about uh, using deceptive language analysis to figure out when someone's trying to BS you. It's a combination of true crime, uh, a little bit of behavioral psychology, and a couple of war stories thrown in there. It's I think it people seem to have liked it. I've gotten some good reviews. As a matter of fact, uh, the latest thing is uh, it's Reader's Favorite, which is an organization made up of thousands of uh, authors around the world, just rated uh, my book as gave it a five star rating. Mm. They they reviewed it and they said that 
Yeah, this is worthy of five-star rating. They have uh, six categories they evaluated in, and it uh, ended up being a five-star, so I'm pretty proud of that. Oh, congr- I didn't know that. You hadn't shared that with me before. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, just just came up uh, about two days ago. Oh, that is that is fantastic. And it is a good book. It is on Amazon. Check it out, guys. Uh, you will really like it. And it uh, looks like we're going to be using a lot of these techniques on FBI agents. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. I, it, it does, and I, I'm going to put in a little plug for Frank's book. When you read that book, you're never going to look at statements like what Merrick Garland gave you or by you know anybody, speeches, press conferences, all these different things. You will never look at these things the same because words mean things and you'll be able to pick it out and you'll be able to spot the deception immediately because um, it's pretty, people are consistent in how they do these things. Very consistent. So please do check it out. But with that, guys, I am Mike Van Meter. Once again, check us out on Facebook. Uh, you know, this podcast spread this far and wide to all your friends we need to get the message out um we we know that we are under attack and uh, the the liberals own the media but we have these platforms and once again i will be running for the virginia state senate here 33rd district in the great commonwealth of virginia and i look forward to seeing you and guys get ready for the midterm elections they are coming and look forward to talking to all of you soon thanks again frank see you guys later bye-bye